Andy's funny. Time for the show. Sometimes faith can feel as cold as winter and look as dark as winter too. I grew up in the cold, both physically and spiritually. Friends of mine have gotten sick and died. I doubt the goodness I see in the world because I see the chaos, war, and violence. I feel distant from God often. I used to fight those winter faith feelings, but now I embrace them and I sit with them. Winter faith has become my new home. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on promoting conversations for emotional and spiritual growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. I had this idea for the Winter Faith podcast because I grew up in Wisconsin and I understand what it's like to be in the cold, dark dead of winter because Wisconsin winters last like nine months. And I thought about how sometimes faith can feel that way, that, you know, we have spiritual stories that we can feel really distant from God. And some people talk about like desert periods, but I like this idea of kind of winter periods and just times when we feel distant from God and and how we deal with those moments or seasons. Sometimes they last days, sometimes weeks, sometimes years. Um, So I'm joined um, by my friend Amanda Penrose this morning and really grateful that you're here. And we'll just get right into some of the questions. You can introduce yourself a little bit too, but just what is kind of the the foundation of of your faith, Amanda? That's kind of where we'll start this morning. Yeah, and thanks for having me. I mean, we were just talking about it. We have, you know, some interesting connections. I photographed your wedding and Mm -hmm. then recently found out we both, um, well, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and you went to school there. Yep, that's right. It's fun to share. I mean, we didn't get to talk about this, but you, um, you, surely you got to taste some good barbecue in Memphis. Absolutely. Yeah, Central Barbecue was kind of my go-to. Did you ever go to Rendezvous? Oh, yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Good. I, um, you know, once I moved here, you know, it's pretty competitive the barbecue scene. Yes. I'm very loyal to Memphis barbecue. So I, I'm glad that you can. Appreciate Me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, um, I am Amanda. I am a mom of two. Um, I have a photography business and um, I have an interesting background. I mean, my foundation of faith, I could summarize it with, I grew up Southern Baptist evangelical, you know, mm-hmm. but course there's more to that story as there always is um so I grew up in Memphis Tennessee um I started going to um it's a it's a the biggest church there it's a mega baptist church um at the time I was there there were like over 20,000 members so we're talking about a whole city (laughs) you know it's like a big community and just an interesting I didn't grow up I didn't I didn't grow up in the small church environment so even stepping into that some as I moved here, it was just, it was just a very, I found out it was a different, very different way to grow up the way I did. So, um, I came from a family of six. I have three sisters, um, and there's four of us in all. So there was a big family. Um, but as far as faith, like from an early age, I was taught 
the basics of evangelical evangelicalism. Even am I saying it right? Yeah. yeah. Evangelicalism immersed oh, so early. Um, I mean, I was I was wholeheartedly accepted um, in that way. Or I I let me let me say that again. I wholeheartedly accepted that way of faith. It was mm. not hard for me to believe. It was early. Um, you know, with kids, you're just a blank. You're just a sponge. You're a blank slate. And so there's a lot of answers given to me. Um, and I accepted that way of faith very early. Um, I did everything. I was at every VBS, every kids camp, every Bible drill competition. If you don't know what Bible drill is, do you know what Bible drill is? I've heard of it. I never did it, but I've heard of it. So, I mean, it's competition. You memorize scripture. You can go to right. state. It's like I was in that kind of world. I was in choir. I was in um, productions. We had huge Easter and Christmas productions, choir. I was a worship leader, a camp counselor. I mean, I did, it became my family. That that was where I grew up. Um, you know, I, the purity culture was big there. The modesty talks, women didn't teach or preach. Um, you know, you're kind of groomed to be a wife eventually. That's, that's yeah. what, you know, you're groomed to be a wife. Um, I went to Baptist college and then I went on to a Baptist seminary because that's what you do, you know. Um, right. So, but yeah, I, I got married at that, chair, at that church. Um, and, you know, as far as like how it built my faith, I think this is important. And I, when I started making notes for this, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure which direction to start, but this is what just came out. And it ended up being like, it was actually helpful for me to see it on paper or on my computer notes yeah. um, because it, it really did set the foundations for me. Um, the world I grew up in with the church was um the summary of that belief system was really, he died for you. So the least you can do is live for him, mm. you know, um, mm. or um, yeah, just kind of this transactional relationship with God, you know, it's, you're indebted, you know, he mm-hmm. did this thing, the least you can, the least you can do is not cuss or the least <laughs> you can do, is, you know, be modest and the least, the very least you could do. It's just this indebted, always owing someone, you know, um, and I was okay with that because it's kind of a formula, you know, shame is a formula, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a, you can, you know, you can live off of that. Um, but I was okay with that transactional relationship with God for the most part. I mean, I was the type of kid that if you gave me a list of requirements, cause I love to know what's expected of me. Um, that's safety. Right. Um, I'd not only meet those requirements, I would, I would aim to like exceed them you know with flying colors I wanted to do the best I could do so that formula of live for God was great for me um there was a flip side to that coin though um you know we had a lot of the the phrases like to whom I don't know if you ever heard these so just let me know but to whom much given much is required oh yeah absolutely um and avoid all appearances of evil um yeah don't cause others to stumble, you know, that's, yes. So there's a lot put on you because, you know, you were given so much. So that last one, don't cause others to stumble. The context that I um, heard it in was for someone like yourself, a woman Mm -hmm. that you should dress a certain way to cause me a man not to stumble. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many youth group talks 
you know, where they separated the boys and the girls. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think much of it because again, it was like, well, I can do this. I can be the best at this. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel offended. I didn't. Okay. But how old were you when you think that was going on? I probably started hearing that at fourth, fifth grade. Fourth, fifth grade. Yeah, because kids, oh wow. I mean, okay. We would have kids camp, so the fourth graders got to go away to camp, and it started there. One piece swimsuits, you know, like. You're only allowed to, this is what you, this is the dress code. We would have a, like papers given out to us at camp and this was the dress code. And basically the consequences if you didn't follow the dress code. So like even that just started really early. <clears throat> and then when do you think you started? Well, I'll, I'll let you keep going, but I was just curious when that. Yeah, it started really early. Um, yeah, super early. I was also homeschooled my whole life. So there was this other part of that culture that was like, I don't know how to describe it. And I think probably in the 80s, because I was born in 83. So the 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s, probably is very different from maybe the homeschool culture today. But um, the group, the environment I was in, it was just very, very, very conservative in every single way, you know, Um But yeah, so actually I was recently talking about that whole idea of like us being responsible for men not stumbling. And it's just so interesting as I've learned to think for myself, but I'm like, okay, so you've told us men are supposed to be the leaders in our house, right? Like that's what we grew up with. Men are the leaders, head of the household. Sure. Um, And yet you're telling me that they just have animal instincts and we're supposed to protect them from stumbling but I'm like so you're telling me I'm, a, I'm supposed to be okay with having an animal leave my home <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah when you start to unwrap some stuff yeah or we can use the catchy Instagram phrase of uh deconstruction yes. all of a sudden some of this stuff starts to uh unwind a little bit yeah yeah and that actually leads into like the deconstruction and the slow like I didn't I didn't question anything and it actually was really frowned upon so to, I, yeah, to question stuff was, was wrong. Yeah. To question stuff was wrong. Um, I mean, even, you know, and, and just even within my home, it was like, and this, I wrote this down a lot because this is the phrase that kind of cursed me growing up. If we wanted okay. to, um, you should know better is my mm-hmm. first language that, that was labeled over me. You should know better. That's a lot of shame in that phrase. Yeah, but much as we give, who much was given, you know, much was required. You know, I was given so much, and so, um, you know, I should know better. But, um, I mean, there were four daughters in our home. I can, I can understand too. Like, I understand parents needing to manage their kids, and there wasn't a lot of, you know, you just need your kids to pick it up. Like that's how it was. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you know better, you know. But, um something I had written down was that the, all the things that I got to experience within that church, like it was all this stuff given to me. Um, it was not, and my home was not a place where I could safely question or fail. Okay. So, and I was a middle child. So I did a lot of observing, you know, what happens to people when they fail. (laughs) That's how I learned to survive, you know, watching, you know? Um, so, even in the church, um, you know, I, I watched, I watched kids in the youth group get called out and then kicked out 
you know, for things I watched, you know, kids get in trouble for being immodest or whatever. And I, I just, you know, you, I, I didn't want any of that. But then again, I was a human teenager. So of course I failed. Of course I questioned, you know. What, do, what does that, I don't think I've heard that. What does that mean for somebody to get kicked out of the youth group or like called out? And yeah, so there was a girl, um, there was a girl who, it was like the biggest thing that had happened so far for me to observe in the youth group, but there was a girl who got pregnant. Um, okay. I think she was probably like 16. Mm-hmm. And out, they weren't kicked out, but they were, I mean, everyone knew they had to like re- repent and stuff like that, but then they weren't allowed to be in the youth group because they had made adult decisions. So they oh. need to go to adult classrooms. Wow. I have not, I've not heard of that. We have a, um, a guest entered the room that wants to say hi to Good. Hi. Hey, Good to see you. I can't hear you, but it's great to see you. <laughs> I have not yeah so so basically she could she was like sent to like the adult classes yeah and it was you know I think also I I mean I think a lot of things were done out of fear and I don't think I mean I I would hope now I, I think when I look back at a lot of things things weren't like I mean they truly believe this was like the the way that they should handle things you know and like right but the impact is it looks so, I mean, it, the impact was huge. Like their intentions, whether or not they were malicious or not, the impact was massive, you know? I mean, you think about that. I mean, there was just no, it was, it was, it was the example. It's the same as like people that would, you know, back in the day, they would put somebody on a stake to, to be an example, you know, mm-hmm. or they beheaded them, you know, and put mm-hmm. them on a stake, be an example to all of you. Don't do that, you know? And so that's how, that's kind of how the culture was, was, mm-hmm you know, you should know better. And, um, so yeah, even so at, at church and at home, you know, there wasn't like room to question or doubt or fail. And then in, in place of that, actually, you were given a lot to memorize. Like, this is the way that we believe I've memorized all this. I've memorized all this. I've memorized this formula. So Mm -hmm. set for success, but, um, but yeah, so as a teenager, I mean, that's when I started to be like, um, I'm making mistakes and I don't want to get caught and I should know better. And there's no safe place to talk about this. So what do you do? You go into hiding. You have to go into hiding. And, you know, I, and that, that produces even something else. You know that nothing is as it seems in your life. And then you start to know nothing is as it seems for anybody else. Everyone's hiding. And I know it. Um, when I think about how many humans were a product of that recipe, I do feel really sad and kind of have mm-hmm. a special place in my heart for that because I know the world you live in when failing and questioning and doubting and, and then on the other side, you know, feeling emotions, feeling anger, feeling sadness, all of that is lumped into questioning and doubting. Um, right. you know, it, it creates this world where you hide and you can't think for yourself. Um, and so that's kind of you know, that's the foundation of faith I was given. And while I do believe that there were people that love me, I'm being able to integrate a lot of things now. So there are people mm-hmm. that love me, um, people that did wish good for me. Um, you know, I also know that 
my environment and what I learned was a product of a lot of things that went before me that were never brought into the light and never, you know, corrected and things like that. So um, the impact, you know, was big. And when life did throw me curveballs later, all that memorized formula didn't work. And that is where I would say my winter started. Yes. Yeah, so what were some of those, yeah, starting, what were starts, you know, you mentioned curveballs. Um, what were some of those curveballs that, that made you get into what I would call like winter faith? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I graduated, uh, college in 2006, but I got married in 2005. Mm -hmm. So, um, I met my husband at the church I grew up at and we started dating when I turned 15. So we were together for a long time. Um, we, um, well, before I get into that, I wanted, I made this note because I think it's going to be important to say, I had this analogy come up and I speak in analogies and I see in analogies. So I'm going to have a lot of those. Um, I had written down that I recently discovered I'm an Enneagram six. Do you do Enneagram stuff? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. So an Enneagram six is someone who really feels like a lot of self-doubt and a lot of like their fear is not having security answers, safety, stuff like that. And then they're one of the best things about a six is their, their loyalty. Super loyal. So right. you know, I was given this belief system. I'm going to be loyal to it. You right. know, if I'm loyal, I also expect it. So yes. this formula, this formula better come back and reward me because I'm going to be loyal. So that's right. But, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But so I wrote down, you should know better is a mocking sentence. Mm. someone whose biggest fear is not knowing the right thing to do or be and mm. when you spent your life memorizing the answers and then the question isn't what you've practiced for you are looking at a blank page and then this analogy mm. I used to hate essay questions on an exam hate them hate yeah. them blank page and you're like how will I ever possibly remember everything right. but you know and sometimes you, they would give you like three three possible essay questions yes and you would spend your energy studying for the ones you think most likely will be on that test you know right right so I feel like I studied really hard like back to my life I studied really really hard and mm -hmm. it's like this essay question put in front of me I studied hard for the French Revolution test you know that essay question I had all that down <laughs> and when I got to the exam the question was describe the history of the Olympics or something mm. And there was a blank page and BSing my way through that was very messy because I think that's an incredible analogy. I mean, so they, your faith, your upbringing gave you great answers. It gave you a great system yeah. for these specific questions. But then all of a sudden there were some different questions yeah. and they did not fit. I think that's a great, I'm, I'm glad you stopped and said that. Yeah. And critical thinking wasn't right wasn't there so it wasn't what do you think about the French Revolution or the Olympics it was tell me all the answers of it all so um yeah yeah so fast forward to the curveballs um mm. so I met my husband in church and we um we dated and went to college together we got married when I was um a senior in college and then um right out of college we moved here to go to the seminary and um we were worship leaders at a small church from about 2007 to 2012 and we had done that in high school um I had my son in October of 2011 
and everything was going according to the formula for a while. And then 2012, I got the essay question that I did not have the answer to and everything blew up. And that's when betrayal entered our marriage. Um, mm -hmm. Hard, very hard. Um, and at the time I found out about everything, the betrayal wasn't even over. You know, some people find out everything and it's over and then they have to deal with the aftermath, but it was still ongoing and I had to deal with, um, will I get chosen? You know, what will I, and I, I, my formula for that was just like, okay, here's an essay question, you know, how do you save your marriage alone? <laughs> you know, mm, and yeah. um, I tried, I tried that. Um, so that's, and I didn't know a lot about trauma at the time, but I know a lot more now. And mm -hmm. I know about how much trauma I experienced during that time and how much it affected what I did and all that. So, um, but yeah, this was the start of years of essay questions that my memorized answers and my faith would not answer. Mm -hmm. um, so from 2012 to 2017, so that's a span of what, like five years or so, mm -hmm. I did my best to answer those questions. Um, everything from, um, and I, I don't know why this came to mind, but maybe somebody needs to hear this, but um, everything from, I read this book literally called How to Save Your Marriage Alone. Mm. That is the title of a booklet. It's a little booklet and I basically memorized it. And yeah. um, it was given to me by someone who loved me and was well-meaning, but also didn't have the answers to the essay question. So it was like, this seems good, you know, um, it was perfect for somebody like me. Um, mm. But you know, even like trying to answer it with that kind of answer, it just, it, it didn't work. And I, um, you know, I tried everything, uh, everything from finding a whole new community to, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you move away to restart. Um, I, I took the, the uh, you know, you should know better. I'm stronger in my faith. So I'm supposed to help him, you know, because I'm the I don't know. Like, I, I don't know why I took that stance. Um, help us recover. I was the one who was strong in my faith. I should, I know better. So the responsibility to fix this fell on me. Mm. Um, but that's what I thought, you know? Um, so we stumbled along. Um, I was depressed. I was numb. Uh, that's when I began drinking more and more. Um, mm -hmm. I poured my energy into belonging and friend groups. Um, and hope for the best. And then we had our daughter in 2016. And then by the fall of 2017, this is what I wrote down back to the analogy of the exam. Mm -hmm. uh, I got my grades in 2017. That's mm -hmm. what, and the grades, it was a giant red F mm -hmm. just fail. So there was more betrayal, more hiding addiction, compulsive behavior. Um, and I finally realized that this exam had been a group project and I'd been the only one trying to answer the question. Yeah. I was going to say, did you get, you're giving yourself an F or were you able to include like, it, this is us, we, yeah. you know, or was it still so much on you? Well, there was, but I'd gotten to the point enough where I was like, I can't do this by myself anymore. You know, okay. like I'm, right. I, I'm the only one trying to answer these questions um, you know, I've been trying to save my marriage alone basically. And I was tired. Yeah. I was tired and my answers weren't working and I had to be done. And, um, by then I'd been out of the culture where separation was, 
you know, just atrocious and divorce was off the table. So I, you know, when I was finally getting that decision of separation, because really that there was no other, you know, there was nothing else I could do. And um, my counselor at the time asked me this question and it stuck with me. Um, and maybe it could be helpful for others at this crossroads, but it was, the question was, are you separating to punish or to try to change this person? Or is it because you're ready to be done living this way? And that mm -hmm. has stuck with me because it was the point in my life where I said, I don't want to take this test anymore. Right. I don't have the answers. And it was, to me, it was mainly this moment of honesty. And that is what I desperately needed. I needed from others. I needed from myself. I needed from the church. I needed from God. I needed honesty, a place to be honest, a place to hear honesty. I mean, I had been just, you know, if, if your home, if what it's supposed to be is, you know, this place where you learn and you fail and it's like training ground, you know, kids, I mean, I have kids, I'm trying to, you know, change the way I parent and everything. And, but that's not how I grew up. I grew up with the show is starting. You're on stage. There's no practice, you wow. know, and yeah. in a way, that's, I mean, that's a form of dishonesty, you know, sure. who can do that? <laughs> you right. know? So it, it's weird, but in a way, um, there was a lot of relief. Mm -hmm. It's weird to say that. And I, and I get it. If someone has just found out, you know, that they've been betrayed, that sounds, that might sound really off and I get it. Um, but on this side of things, that was when I actually, I was like, when did my winter faith start or the, when did the winter start? But it's, it's interesting because the winter, the coldest part, the cruelest, the coldest wind, the darkest nights, mm -hmm. those were, yes, the, the, they were so hard, mm -hmm. but at the same time, that's where my faith started to grow. Right. Yeah, that's right. You know? Um, so, and, and retrospect is so shiny. I, I get it. Like I can look back now and see a lot of the 30,000 foot view, you know, and it doesn't include like nights where I couldn't sleep and mornings I couldn't get out of bed and days that I thought like, if my child cries one more time, I don't know how I'm going to handle this and mm -hmm. one more drink. And I mean, it doesn't, it's not as retrospect is so shiny. So I, I want whoever's listening that might be in that place to know, like, I don't have the, all the answers, you know, and I don't think that just because you're suffering means you should also be like, but I'm growing, you know, no, I get it. I didn't feel that way at the time. So, yeah, I think you can only say that afterwards. Like you don't really know you're growing at the time. It's just that you're being honest for the first time. Everything. You're, yeah. Yeah. You're not isolated. Um, you know, from just my years of being isolated um, yeah, I think that that's, I appreciate when, when I look back at those times now, but only because I'm not isolated anymore. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to see it. I think it's just being about being able to see it, like you said. Yeah. And it, it's interesting too, because so, so all those times it was, it was the start of my faith because all the, all those years I was memorizing my formula and, you know, carrying it out and all that stuff. I have in my journals, I have like, I don't know, something like 15 journals. It's actually been a gift because I can go back now as I'm like trying to learn my story and figure out my trauma and all this stuff, you know, like it's all there. 
But um, anyway, there are so many times when in my journals, and I know I would just have these conversations with God, even as a teenager or as a young married or whatever. And it would go just like this, like, please help me. Mm. Please help us. Please help me. Like, that's it. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even describe what it was I needed help from, but I just knew, you know, something I'm trapped. We're trapped. Something's wrong. Like everything's wrong. You know, this formula, like we're, there's no truth here. There's no freedom here or something. And I feel like when I got the truth as awful as it was, that was when I got my answered prayer. Mm-hmm. Help me, you know? Okay. Okay. And um, I didn't even know what I was asking, like I said, but, but yeah, but when things got coldest, it's because the answers were finally coming and reality can be very cold. Mm-hmm. So cold. I mean, you know, it's, it's human nature to try to stay comforted, you know, and, um, you know, it was compounded reality, like all of it coming back, you know? So um, I, I would say that from, and it was exposing to me too. I mean, I've, I've, I had a friend recently say about marriages that blow up, you know, the person, maybe the spouse that's the offender, of course they get exposed, but it also exposes you in a different mm. way. You see who you are. You look in the mirror and you have to look at who you really are too. Mm. How is it going to go? I mean, you, it exposes codependence. It exposes like, I mean, I was trying to save him and save us. And, yeah. you know, I do this even in my most painful moments the first time around, I would say things like to myself, like, I can do this right. If I do this right, we will be okay. Mm -hmm. Like if I got angry or cried, which is normal, you know, yeah, I would be hard on myself because I was like impeding our healing or something Mm. because I wasn't being gracious. I wasn't being forgiving or things like that. So if you think about like, I mean, it just, I, I, I think at one point I I had a lot of anger towards her, that version of myself and a lot of shame, but now I look at her and I'm just like, you know, you know, you, you're okay now. Like you're okay. That was really awful. And I'm so sorry that you had to think that way, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But anyway, I, I would say the, the winter faith moments, the coldest, darkest days of my life probably were from 2017 to 2019. Um, we did separate and I did this little parenting life. Um, I tried to figure out a way to live among a community where I once lived as a couple and was now single, mm-hmm. um, which is hard. Um, sure. I drank a lot more <clears throat> and then, you know, and that's a whole nother podcast probably, but, um, and then my, my three-year-old nephew suddenly and tragically died during that time. Mm. Um, I spent a week with my sister. She buried him. And then I came back like rearranged, completely rearranged, like PTSD and new fears of my own. I had compounded PTSD from my marriage and then now from death. Um, When you talk about the cold days of winter, like when I was reading your description of your podcast, I was like, I didn't imagine a snowy mountain. I imagined like an ice storm on an ocean. Mm. Because grief for me was wave after wave after mm-hmm. wave just hitting me over and over. Like this one will finally take me out. I know I won't come up. This one's going to do it. You know, I can't possibly recover from this wave. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's, and so it, that's how I feel like this, it was just winter storm on the ocean, but mm. uh, so, yeah, so those were the moments that I spent a lot of time um, in my bed, you know, um, it's interesting that some of my questions to God were not, why are you letting this happen? Mm-hmm. Especially when it came to the marriage stuff, it was, why didn't you tell me sooner? So I really wanted the answers. I wanted honesty along before that. And, um, you know, watching people suffer, watching my sister suffer, all of that. It really, what it did was those 20 years or whatever before my life blew up and that whole formula I had, I had to go back and put stars next to everything I'd ever believed. Mm -hmm. And I still have a lot of stars. I mean, probably more than I have answers. Right. but um, the the dark times were it was what cold does. It cold water on your face. You just like wake up and it's mm. what what am I looking at here? Who am I? Who are you? You know, it's like it's just everything is is up in the air and um and yet it's interesting during those times while I didn't have answers and the day to day suffering was um so much I knew I was loved Mm. and I know that this might not land with everybody and I get that everybody's story is different but there were a few ways I knew I was loved um I've already kind of mentioned this but in one way I knew I was loved because the truth had been exposed I used to always say that when the it's like a bomb hits your house with betrayal you know Mm. everything destroyed but what I used to say about it, as I started to see more and more of how, how it was already a broken system for that, you know, it's like a bomb hits you, your house. And then once mm-hmm. the smoke is, you start realizing that there was like asbestos in the walls and mold and dangerous wiring wow. and all this. And it's like, okay, wow. so I'm not saying that a bomb feels loving for everybody, especially in those times, but seeing what I was saved from. Wow. Me in this yeah. home because the truth was given to me that felt loving that huh. felt to me there is no forward without the truth i've learned that there's um, no forward without the truth yeah there's no yeah forward. even if you are if, if there's been betrayal and there's um there's hope for restoration there's no forward without the whole truth right so in every situation i feel like that's the truth but um another way that i felt loved was that my perspective of God began to shift. So even though I grew up hearing like, God is your loving father, you know, I didn't feel that way. I feel it. I read this recently and I hope this isn't offensive, but um, it was like, God is not a white male with unresolved anger issues. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's right. That, I didn't have the language for that, but that's definitely what I grew up with as far as God goes. You know, you should know better. Yeah. I've given you everything. Look what I've done for you. You should. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Have you ever heard of the, um, it's like a art, really artistic documentary type film called the heart of man. Yeah. I have seen heart of man. So when that first came out, which is interesting, it was 2017. So right before we separated, um, I watched that film and yeah. while the film focuses more on like, sexual brokenness and things like that and kind of the prodigal son type of story Mm -hmm. 
what got me and still gets me when I think about it or listen to the music is the way that the father is portrayed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kind father who's like wanting his son to connect and wanting his son to be honest and, you know, like, but also lets him make his choices. And like, it's, he's not angry. There was something about that that stuck with like, God's not angry with me. God's not angry. I'm a parent. Right. My son doesn't have all the answers, but I'm not mad at him for that. Mm-mm. Like it was just like this connection, like, you know, um, so my perspective of God began to shift. And instead of me being the parent and needing to please like an angry child, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm the child. Mm-hmm. I don't, have to know it all I don't have the answers I thought I had to know better I thought I had to know it all I have no answers but it's okay I'm the child in this relationship okay okay so this changes a lot so now my prayers just begin to be just be with me Mm -hmm. just be with me and that changed from just be with me just love me accept me as a child to the comparison of give me all the answers. Oh, wait, I should already have the answers. So don't even give me the answers because I should know better. That's a big shift. Yeah. It changed from that to, I don't have to have all the answers. I know you love me. Just be with me. Mm -hmm. And it was like a lot of silence like that. Mm -hmm. Those are my dark moments where it was like, instead of scrambling for the answers and scrambling for the formula, you know, it was just like, I'm going to feel all this. Okay. I'm going to feel all this. It's coming. Can you just be with me while I feel it all? Mm. And that is what I think of when I think of my child, when they're hurt. Yeah, sure. I can put a bandaid on it, but it's probably still hurting. And I can just be here with you. Yeah. You know, your friend hurt your feelings. I can't fix them. They're going to make their choices, but I can be here with you. Yeah. I can tell you who you are. You know, that's, that's where my uh, shift started. So I think um, I think mm. seeing him as a loving parent. So I had this analogy too. So back to the exam, it mm. it seeing him as a kind parent. Um, I saw this vision like so. I'm taking this exam. I'm furiously trying to BS the answers because I don't know them, right. and I giant F on my paper mm. and I see my parent come in and I, I'm suddenly I'm not in a classroom I'm in my room I'm at home mm-hmm. I've got this piece of paper I'm scribbling on and I have a red marker in my hand and the parent comes down to me and says why did you give yourself an F wow this isn't a test this isn't an exam you don't have to know all this I know you have questions I'll be here with you while you ask them mm. It's more of a class teaching. I, I think in the larger scale of things, what you could say was that was when I started to feel the lift of shame mm. and freedom from shame. Yeah. Wow. Which, I mean, isn't, wouldn't you say that a lot of our, I mean, I think that there is, when I think of the suffering that I've been through, mm-hmm. a lot of it. It did happen to me, but then some of it was monsters of my own making too. You know, that you've got different categories. So some of it was uh, 
well, because there's all these other subcategories of like how things were handled and you know, stuff like that. And, sure. and you know, it, like I said, it exposed me. Like I, I hustled for belonging and, you know, sometimes my friends got the worst sides of me and, you know, all that. But, um, you know, it, it, it exposed my shame and, uh, you know, that wasn't, there was no formula for that. I had no formula for shame. Shame was the formula. Yeah. Well, yeah. Shame is a very powerful system that works extremely well. Yeah. Um, and so when you throw it out, it's not easy to rebuild a system. Like I would say my, you know, my, um, I didn't grow up with the system you grew up with, but I grew up in a very, very similar Mm -hmm. system. And when, when I'm rebuilding my system, that also takes a lot of work. There also are questions. There's also, it's not perfect and there's downfalls to it. And I'm seeing that the most, I mean, maybe you see this too. Um, I'm seeing that the most in raising children. They ask questions and I'm like, well, I would have said this, but now I'm like, well, maybe we can find that out together. (laughs) You know, I have stars. I mean, is God, you know, male and female star? I don't know. Is there a real heaven? star I don't know you know like all that stuff has a star next to it um Mm -hmm. but I feel safe to answer uh, to ask them yeah and you feel safe to some extent as you're teaching your kids it challenges you to maybe sometimes say I don't know hey let's come back to that hey what do you think um there's a lot of freedom in in those answers yeah and um you know, I'm not going to shame my kids for not knowing them. Right. You know, like it's, it's a learning experience for sure. But, um, I, I think that those winter faith moments, and I mean, you know, especially when I, when I think about, so there's the marriage side of it, but then, you know, my sister and losing her son and, um, there's a whole side of suffering that I'm like, I can't make any good out of this. I can't make any meaning out of this. I don't understand, you know, codependency in a marriage and like enabling and all that stuff. I can, I can understand that. I mean, I still was, the offense was against me and all of that. I'm not saying it wasn't, but, but this, I don't understand. Maybe in a few years we do another podcast and I can give you more meaning, (laughs) but I don't have an answer. Uh, Those are pretty. um, She's, she, um, she had cancer last year while she was pregnant. When she, when I found out she had cancer, actually, I, this is a winter faith moment. If there ever was one, I laid on the bed and I told God, if she dies, I don't know if you and I'll make it. And that to me, yeah, it's just honesty. Mm -hmm. If you, if you make this person suffer, if I see, if I see suffering again, I don't know that I can make it. That's honesty because I don't have Mm -hmm. the I don't know if that brings anybody um, discomfort or, you know, anybody that might be listening or like, you know, but I think that's, that's humanity. I think that's honesty. And um, that is, I mean, that is the other side of faith when it's completely like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like I talk about um, faith is not, you know, the opposite of faith is not doubt. Mm. Like doubt is a sign of a faith that's working and questioning the opposite of 
the opposite of faith is apathy. When you're apathetic, that's when you know, when you're, you know, and that can still be a form of faith, but I'm just saying that's when you're, that that's the true opposite is when you, you don't like, I don't, I'm out. I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. whatever. And that I'm fine with people in that place. Cause I think there's still things that can be done. Yeah. But I think we've really missed this thing. If we think doubt is the opposite of faith, I think that's completely wrong. Like, and we just have to look at, I mean, even the most literalist Baptists can read the Bible and see how much doubt is completely fine in the Bible. I know. And it's interesting. Like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but the book of Job was often used as an example of how to not sin when you're suffering. Yeah. 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 And I I don't even know if that's what it's about, (laughs) but yeah. I don't even know if it was a real story. Was it just a story as it's used as an analogy? You know, like there's all that. Right. Sure. Um, Sure. To me, my favorite parts of that book are the chapters and chapters of Job. Yep. There's a ton of that. Like there's a ton of it. And that, that seemed more relatable, more real to me than, you know, this is how you should handle suffering. Don't sin. Yeah. Right. Job and, <laughs> yeah and what does it say about his friends and the community around him yeah what does it say about god it's you know there's a lot a lot more that can be done with that book yeah well this has been really great i mean i know we could keep talking and and maybe we'll maybe we'll do that for for like a part two Thanks for listening to this show today, everybody. I just want to give a few shout-outs. Today's music, the one and only Josh Cleveland. Today's artwork in all the winter faith, artwork and digital design, Dominique Montaigne. The intro was done by Scarlet Fox. And I am just grateful to be creating and editing this podcast. My name is Andy Frazier. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Winter faith podcast subscribe subscribe on all those platforms and also we are on patreon if you would like to support the show and also leave a review on itunes at the winter faith podcast thanks for listening and we will see you next week